Welcome to Dollars and Cents for College Students, a multi-part podcast series that gives college students the knowledge and tools to handle their financial situation during and after college. Your host for this program is Professor Frank Longo of Centenary University School of Professional Studies. Please note that before making any financial decisions, please seek sound financial advice from a financial professional. And now, here is your host, Professor Frank Longo. Hello, and welcome to Dollars and Cents for College Students. Thank you for joining us. Today, we will focus on Pfizer, the large pharmaceutical company which has received and earned a great deal of attention for its work on the COVID-19 vaccine. There are new developments that impact Pfizer's prospects, and we need to consider them. But first, and as always, we need context, the context of the overall market. What is going on in the market and how does that impact our investing? The market has been volatile, volatile for quite some time and has produced significant increases and decreases in stock prices. Some analysts say the market has been remarkably resilient as it bounces back quickly from declines. Others see wide swings as irrational. Here is my explanation for the wide swings. Day-to-day -day stock prices are effectively established by professional traders. They buy and sell the same shares of the same stock, sometimes in the same day, and sometimes they sell within days of their buys. They do this with substantial amounts of money, and that leads to substantial increases and decreases in prices. When there is good news, economic, corporate, COVID, geopolitical, or other news, the market usually rises. Bad news leads to down days. This type of market activity scares investors and often causes mistakes. Now let's address some specific factors that could cause the market to fall and, as we said, scare investors. Inflation, sustained rising prices, is not just on the horizon. It's here. The Federal Reserve previously saw it as transitory or temporary, but now that no longer seems to be the prevailing thought among economists. Gasoline, food, and other necessities are rising in price, and heating prices are expected to rise this winter anywhere from 30 to 50 percent. There are several problems with inflation, and the first is that it can stop or limit consumer spending. Second, the Fed fights it by raising interest rates. This slows demand and adds to the cost of borrowing. The market doesn't like either of these. Both factors can reduce corporate profits, and markets are driven by corporate profits. The U.S. government has borrowed record amounts of money and recently extended the debt limit, but only until December. Congress will have to negotiate the extension of the debt limit again, and this can be troublesome. We also have substantial supply chain issues, which can also cause inflation. Some other concerns include China, and not just because of our reliance on Chinese goods. China buys more from the U.S. than any other country. In effect, that makes Chinese problems to a degree. 
our problems. The Chinese people are overleveraged. That is, they have too much debt, along with many of their businesses. A Chinese default and recession could lead to a worldwide recession. There are a number of other potential issues for the market to absorb, including COVID-19. Largely due to various vaccines, we were doing very well combating it. Then variants arose, and even some of the vaccinated were becoming infected. In short, we are still dealing with COVID. With all of these threats to the market stability looming, why is the market so high? Many companies have been able to generate significant profits despite COVID and other obstacles. Right now, corporate profits are driving the market. Also, professional investors see a great deal of potential for innovators, and there are many. Back to COVID. To truly understand the COVID-19 pandemic and when it will end, we should consider the Spanish flu of 1918. It caused a pandemic and it killed 675,000 people in the United States and 50 million people worldwide. It wasn't until, 19, until 1930 that a virus was recognized as the cause of that pandemic. There was no vaccine for the Spanish flu, not until 1960 when the flu vaccine was developed. So when did the Spanish flu end? Well, it didn't. Herd immunity eventually controlled it, but it was never eliminated. The annual flu and flu season we deal with every year, those are variants of the Spanish flu. About 10,000 people die of the flu every year, despite the fact that both vaccines and therapeutics are available. So using that as a guide, it is possible, and maybe even likely, that COVID will never end. It is interesting to note that only one human disease was ever eradicated or disappeared from the face of the earth. And that was smallpox, a virus that dates back to 10,000 BC. It was declared eradicated in the United States in 1949 and in the rest of the world in 1980. Vaccine stockpiles for smallpox are still maintained throughout the world in the event the virus reemerges. If virus history is any guide, we never may be totally rid of COVID-19. We may have to manage it, especially since there is some, although inconclusive evidence, and it is not highly publicized, that greater levels of vaccinations may actually lead to more variants. If this turns out to be true, therapeutics will become critical along with vaccines. This needs further study. Let's remember what normal used to be. We normally had cold and flu season. Some chose to take the flu vaccine and others managed it after they got sick with therapeutics, medicines. We don't have a cure for the common cold. We manage it. This seems to support my theory, the theory of a non-doctor, that COVID should be greatly diminished by vaccines, but will never truly be eliminated. So here's where we stand. The vaccines provide a high level of protection, but they need boosters. At least that's what it seems. The annual flu vaccine is a booster. The top COVID vaccines are produced by Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson. Boosters made by Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson have been approved for those over age 65. 
And hot off the presses is the fact that Johnson & Johnson did receive a booster approval from an FDA advisory committee. This makes the Johnson & Johnson booster a step closer to clearance. So we will have, or should have, an additional booster. Pfizer has approval for a teenage vaccine and is working on one for children as young as age five. In terms of therapeutics, remdesivir, which is made by Gilead, is approved and seems successful, but it must be delivered intravenous, intravenously in hospitals, and that is a major drawback. Merck leads the pack in therapeutics and hopes to have one approved by the end of the year. Pfizer is racing for approval of a therapeutic and is making significant progress. Each of the companies we named is an innovator and is working to fill a desperate worldwide need. Each is taking advantage of an unfortunate opportunity. Now, let's tie this in and talk about investing. In times of trouble and turmoil, and in times of risky markets, right? it seems we're dealing with now, the companies that are able to solve, mitigate, or make problems manageable are worthy of investment consideration. Let's answer the question. Where do we investors start? Consider the company that was named in each of the categories we just discussed. The vaccine, boosters, the therapeutics. The company that was named in each of those categories is Pfizer. Pfizer is involved in COVID vaccines, boosters, vaccines for teenagers and children, and therapeutics. No other company has made the progress that Pfizer had in addressing every aspect of COVID. Every company we spoke about is doing great things and has an important role, but Pfizer seems to be the leader. A recent Wall Street Journal article was entitled, Pfizer's shot is global leader. Others are doing well, but Pfizer is at the head of the class. Pfizer, Merck, and Johnson & Johnson are all well-established companies that make much more than vaccines, and that is important. Each pays a dividend and has a history of increasing its dividend. This is important since it reflects rising earnings and the ability to generate cash. And this adds to the safety of each company's stock price. Their betas, the measure of market risk, is less than one. This, too, is an indicator of price safety. But remember, no stock investment is without risk. Risk leads to reward. Each of the companies has a lower forward price earnings ratio than its trailing price earnings ratio. And what this means is they all expect and predict higher earnings in the future. Remember what drives markets, higher earnings. All of these companies are good investments. But if I were buying just one company today, it would be Pfizer. It expects to generate more than $33 billion in revenue from vaccine sales this year, and that is likely to be revised higher. Other reasons to buy the stock include its non-COVID products. Its second biggest product is Eliquis, a blood thinner that is important after surgeries. It had sales of $4.9 billion last year, and that's an increase of 17% from the prior year. It has in its pipeline seven blockbuster drugs, 
These are products that are expected to generate at least $1 billion of revenue, not just once, but per year for a number of years. Pfizer was a good investment prior to the pandemic. It's a better one now. We noted earlier that the current economic and geopolitical climate adds to the risk of investing. But companies that can fill important needs can still thrive. Pfizer is one of them. If the market were to uh, suffer a substantial decline, no company is exempt from stock price risk, the risk that the price falls. I wouldn't expect Pfizer, Merck, and Johnson & Johnson to fall as much as the overall market if some event could if some event causes a severe decline. These companies are too important, well-established, well-diversified, and financially sound. And I expect them to be very resilient and bounce back should the market suffer a decline. Furthermore, our health and the health of the stock market will not improve without improvement with COVID, which means we will not get improvement without these companies doing their work. Normally, innovative companies are riskier investments, not these, not Pfizer. They have a well-established history. They give us something to predict. They pay substantial dividends, and they have a history of increasing them. All are worth considering for investment, and especially Pfizer. We will continue to watch pharmaceutical companies and we'll update you as they are critical to our lives. In addition, helpful to our investment lives. Also in future shows, we will consider some new riskier innovators that may also provide good opportunities for profit. Until the next time, stay calm, thoughtful, and purposeful. You have been listening to Dollars and Cents for College Students with host Frank Longo. The opinions on this series are those of the host. Before making any financial decisions, be sure to consult with a financial professional such as a certified financial planner. For more information, visit cfp.net.